Well, good morning, everyone, once again, and welcome to our uh, Sunday morning Bible study. Uh, as you may notice on the screen here, we have finished up with the book of 1 Peter, and we are going to be starting a new study in the book of Romans. Now, before we get there, let me just remind everyone, you may be uh, wondering what happened to the last lesson in, in Peter. Well, we actually aired that lesson uh, this past Tuesday. It was just on the final three verses of chapter 5 in 1 Peter. Um, so it's on Facebook, it's, it's, on, uh, it's on YouTube, and uh, so if you happen to miss that, please go back. It should, be, it should still be there. And you can catch the last, uh, the last, ver uh, uh, last lesson over the last verses of the book of First uh, Peter. So this week, it's time to turn to a new study. And uh, we are going to be going, as I said, as you can see, through the book of, of Romans. Now, the first thing I want to... Today, we're, kinda, uh, we're going to look at the first seven verses, but I also want to kind of make a little bit of an introduction and, and the first question comes up is, why did I choose uh, Romans? I had a, a, a conversation, uh, actually had two conversations over the past couple months with two different people. Uh, one was a mother, one was a father, uh, one was white, one was black. It was across all spectrums. And uh, both of these people told me, that they had sat down with their children, and they both have middle-aged uh, and high school-aged children. And they sat down with their kids, and they asked them questions about the gospel. They asked questions about God. They asked questions about how to be saved. Just both, you know, questions like that. And by the way, both these families have children that have grown up in church. They've gone to children's church. They've, they've, they've been in youth ministry and things like that. Yet when both of these people told me that when they sat their children down and they asked them some of these questions, their children were not able to answer these questions satisfactorily. Now, here's the thing. If you don't know the gospel and you're not able to explain the gospel or understand the gospel as a teenager, you don't just miraculously be able to have to do that in your 20s or in your 30s or in your 40s or in your 60s. Somebody has to sit down and explain the gospel to you. And, and there is no place in the Bible that better explains the gospel than the book of, of Romans. It has been referred to as the greatest letter ever written. It is, in my opinion and the opinion of others, it is the most important theological work ever, uh, ever, ever put to, to paper. I've often said, if I was on a desert island and I could only have one book, uh, that would, of course, be the Bible. But if I, if I could only have one book of the Bible then I would choose the book of, of Romans. It, everything you really need to know is in that book. It is an amazing, incredible uh, work. Its verses are absolutely famous. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 10.9, uh, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus believing in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you shall be saved. It goes on and on. There's now, therefore now no condemnation. 
to those that are in Christ Jesus. If God be for me, who can be uh, against me? All things work together uh, for good for those that are uh, love God and are called according to his purpose. I could go on and on and on with these incredible verses uh, that are inside Romans, yet most people never study this wonderful book. We read it, but see, there's a big difference between reading something and actually stopping and take the time to think about what it really says. So most people never study it. And by the way, I was one of those people. I was 49 years old in January of 2012 when for the very first time I studied through the book of, of Romans. And I actually did it as a teacher. I, I, I took two years from January of 2012 to February of 2014 to actually go through that book. And, and I'm not sure why. I, maybe it's like Mount Everest. Maybe we come to this book and we look at it and think, man, let me just go climb Philippians. Or let me go, let me go climb one of the Gospels. It'll be a lot easier than Romans. Because there are, it, it's not easy. But the reward is absolutely in, incredible. So that's why I have chose uh, Romans, to, to do that again. Because I, I just think it's a book that... You don't just do it once in your life. You need to do it multiple times. So the second question I want to ask is, why now? Well, to be honest, I in this time that we're in right now, uh, with, uh, with limited church services around the nation, uh, more and more people going online, the, the virus, the, all the things that's happening, I believe the church is under attack. I really do. I see some of the greatest dangers to the church that I've ever seen. And the funny thing, it's not coming from culture. It's not coming from persecution. It's not coming from... Where it's coming from is just apathy. Just down and out apathy. I see more and more Christians that just... I don't know. It just They're like, like the frog in the boiling water. They just seem to be getting used to this uh, new normal of not going to church. And... And, and the fact is, I just think that is incredibly dangerous for, uh, for us. So I want to just kind of, let's get into Romans. Let's remind ourselves of what this is all about. Let's remind ourselves what God has done for us. Let's remind ourselves uh, what's on the horizon for those that will stay faithful uh, to the uh, end. So let's turn now to the theme of this letter. What is the theme of this, of this great letter? Well, that's really simple. The theme is the gospel or, or the good news. The, the, the foundational passage of Romans is probably Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's the theme of the gospel. I mean, that's the theme of Romans, the gospel, the good news, that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. But what I just said in only seven words, Paul will take over 7,000 words and 16 chapters to talk about in the book of Romans. He will literally go into the, the, every little corner in the deepest recesses to answer these questions about why God did it the way he did it. Um, you know, just every, I mean, it's, it's incredible 
the amount of detail that Paul will, will go into. And in going into this detail, he's going to answer some of the most profound questions that we as Christians uh, should have. But here's the thing about Paul. Before he gets to the good news, he's going to make sure that we understand the, the bad news. And the bad news is this. The most fundamental problem that we have as, as people as human beings in this universe, is not COVID-19. The most fundamental problem we have is not racism. The most fundamental problem that we have is we are sinners. And this sin has contaminated us. It has corrupted us. We are, it, its tendrils are inside of our values. It's inside of our emotions. It's inside of our, of our intellect. It's inside of our reasoning. It is our master. We are slave to it. But even that is not our biggest problem. In Romans 3.23, after talking about this, this sin problem that we have, Paul says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, what Paul wants us to see is that our sin problem is not so much about us as it is about God. It's mainly not to do with us. It's mainly, first and foremost, it has to do with, with God. When Paul, in chapter 2, describes the sins of his own people, the, the climax of his indictment is this. The name of God is blasphemed because of you. God's name is blasphemed because of the way you act, the way you behave, the sins that, that you commit. You see, our sin is an outrage, first and foremost, because it blasphemes God. That is the ultimate evil in the, in the universe. That is the ultimate outrage in the, in the universe. The infinite creator, the holy, almighty, awesome God is disregarded, disbelieved, disobeyed, and dishonored by everyone. And because of that, we are under his wrath. Romans 2.8 says this, But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and there will be fury. Let me tell you, nothing should scare a human being more than that. It, 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 on a scale, if you, if you saw COVID as a, as a fear factor here, the idea that we're under the wrath of God should be up here. We're talking about our eternal destiny. See, that is the bad news, that we are under the wrath of God. And we have to understand that. You know, if I came to you and I said, uh, well, the sky is clear. And you'd be like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, what's the big deal? How could you understand that as good news unless I had given you the bad news first, that there was a, a tornado coming or, or some other threat coming out of the sky? You see, when, then when I came and said the sky is clear, that would be good news because you understood the threat. See, if we don't understand the threat, if we don't understand the danger, if we don't understand the fact that human beings are born into this world under the wrath of God, as Ephesians says, children of wrath, then the love of God and the grace of God will never be the good news that they're really meant to be. They'll just fall into sentimentalism or some kind of self-help recovery plan. See, we've got to know the bad news. See, this is everyone's biggest problem. We are contaminated by sin 
but above that, we are condemned by God. This is it, it, black, white, men, women. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. doesn't matter what country you were born into. doesn't matter what time era of the world you were born into. This is every human being's problem, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody. Go turn on the news. Go turn on The View or whatever these shows are. And what are they talking about? They're talking about COVID-19. They're talking about racism. They're talking about riots. They're talking about uh, Johnny Depp. They're, they're talking about everything in the world except our biggest problem, that we're under the wrath of God, that we're contaminated by sin. Nobody talks about that. But let me tell you, Paul talks about it. Paul will not get to the good news unless he first covers the bad news. You see, that in a nutshell is the theme of this letter, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to live and die and rise again to reconcile us to God. He is the ground of our salvation and he's the power of our purification or our sanctification. That's, that's the good news. That is the, the gospel. So in John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me tell you, there is no plan B. There, there, is, no, there is no door number two. God has sent his Son into this world, Jesus Christ, to live and die and rise for us. That is the plan of salvation, that we put our faith in his sacrifice. We put our faith that his death he took the curse for us. That's it. That's the only way. See, if anyone in this world, if, if Muslims or, or Jews or Catholics or Protestants or Hindus or atheists, if anybody in any of those groups are going to be saved, if they're going to come to a salvation knowledge of, Jesus, of, of God himself, they're going to do that through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. God himself is going to get the glory. So with that kind of, 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 of prelogue, if you will, let's turn to the first seven verses in our introduction today, uh, verses one through seven. The title of our lesson today is The Gospel of, of God. Now, it, it, it wouldn't be right to kind of come into this lesson if we didn't talk a little bit about the author, of course, which is the Apostle Paul. How did it come about? that what many consider to be the most important theological work ever written comes from a Jewish Pharisee who absolutely hated Christianity. Hated Christianity so much that when, when the first martyr, uh, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was being killed, as a, as a young man, Paul is standing there holding the coats of the very men throwing the stones. This, this young man grew up and became a, a, known as a persecutor of Christians. Even after he got saved uh, in the book of Acts, it says Christians were terrified of him because of all the atrocities he had committed uh, against them. How did it come to be that that man writes the greatest treatise on, on, Christ, uh, on, the, on Christianity and salvation, uh, the book of, of Romans? Well, in Romans 1.1, Paul introduces himself. And, and I just love the way he does this. Look at what he says. He says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. 
First of all, Paul says, I'm a slave. I have been bought and paid for. He says that numerous times. I think in Galatians, he says something like this. Uh, if I pleased men, I would no longer be a bondservant or a slave of Jesus Christ. See, the fact that he calls himself a slave of Jesus tells us that his whole perspective on life is to serve Christ, is to please Christ. Everything he does is as a slave of Jesus Christ. And then he says, I was called to be an apostle. Now, the word apostle means messenger. So I've been called to, 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 to take a message to the world. And, and what is this message? Well, he tells us, I was set apart for the good news of, of God, which he's going to outline in, in great detail in this letter. By the way, does anyone know when Paul was set apart? You know, many people, when we think about the Apostle Paul, we think about uh, him being on the road to Damascus and there being this great light and, and him being blinded. And, and, and uh, he says, who are you, Lord? And, 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 and Jesus says, I'm Jesus who you persecute. We think of that wonderful story. And a lot of people think, well, that was when he was saved. And, that, and it was, but that was when he was set apart. But that's not when he was set apart at all. Paul tells us in Galatians 1.15, he says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me into his grace. Man, I, that is just so awesome when we think about that. You see, God is not looking around for somebody to be a messenger. God's not winging it. God's not just saying, you know, I got to find somebody that's going to carry this. Oh, I'm going to choose Paul. No, no, it was all planned out from the beginning of time. It was planned out before Paul was born. It was Paul was set apart. It was always going to be uh, Paul. Now, obviously, from the time he was born to the time on the road to Damascus, there was a period of time where he was an unbeliever. There was a, a period of time where he persecuted the church. But let me tell you what's so cool about this, that what was true for Paul is true for you and I, as we'll see in the book of Romans. The fact is, you and I have been set apart before we were born. You and I were chosen before we were born. Yes, there was a time uh, from the time we were born to the time that we were saved where we lived in unbelief. But the plan was always to set us apart. The plan was always to call us. Which means that in this very first introductory verse, we get just a taste just a taste of the magnificent sovereignty of God that we're going to be exposed to in this wonderful book. I want you to notice something about Paul. And by the way, we'll see this in a few verses later as well. When Paul talks about himself, it's never about what he has done, but what has been done to him. I've been bought and paid for by God. I've been called by God. I've been set apart by God. You see, even in the first verse, it may look like it's about Paul, but it's really not about Paul at all. It's always been about God. It's always about someone far greater than him. Leon Morris, in his commentary, the Epistle to the Romans, says this, God is the most important word in this letter. Romans is a book about God. Everything Paul touches in this letter, he relates to God. In our concern to understand what the Apostle is saying, 
We ought not to overlook his tremendous concentration on God. There is nothing like it elsewhere. And boy, that is true from the very first verse. Now, here's something else I want to... Here's Paul. He sits down and he begins to pen either with his own hand or through a scribe. He begins to write this letter. Did Paul know or did Paul believe he was writing Holy Scripture? Well, absolutely he did. He knew exactly what he was doing. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, Paul says this, We speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. So even as he's writing, he knows the things that he's writing. This doesn't come from a man's reasoning. doesn't come from the logic of the human mind. It comes from the Spirit of God. Even Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, writes this, As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as in also all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So not only did Paul understand he was writing scriptures, the other apostles understood that he was writing scriptures as as well. Now, why do I bring that up and why is it important? Well, here's why. Let me tell you, we need to receive this book from the very beginning, not as the writings of a man, but as the literal words of God himself. Romans is not great. And by the way, I think Paul was a genius. I think Paul was, was an, he was a very logical thinker. I think he was a, a great thinker. But this book is not great because of Paul. This, work, this book is great because of God. The things Paul wrote, he was a Christian hater. He, he didn't come up with this on his own. These, the Spirit of God changed him, not only uh, 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 his heart, but he changed his mind as, as well. Let me tell you, we are going to talk about some things in this letter that are absolutely profound. Can I just tell you this? The things that we're going to talk in this letter are worlds removed from the stuff you'll find on TV. The things that we are going to discuss in this letter are worlds removed from the everyday drivel of human conversation. You're going to hear things in this book that some of you may never have heard before. You're going to see things in this book that, that you may have never, never seen before. And I can tell you for absolutely certain you will encounter things in this letter that are antithetical to human pride. So understanding that this letter is the word of God is absolutely crucial to understanding these profound truths as we move through. Let's go to verse 2. Verse 1 says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which... now. What I want you to see is in verses 2 through 7, Paul is still talking about the gospel of God. He's going to describe some things about the good news of God. And in fact, he's going to tell us five things about the gospel of God. And these five things are going to be repeated throughout this letter over and over again. Number one, the gospel of God is about the Old Testament. Look at verse 2. He says, The gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Uh, not too long ago, Andy Stanley, who's a, a, a pastor of a big megachurch up in Atlanta, 
he came out in a sermon and he said that basically Christians need to unhitch the Old Testament from their faith. Now let me tell you, I could not disagree with that more. Maybe the Old Testament does seem old to us. Maybe it does seem outdated to us. But Paul in this book is going to take salvation and he's going to connect it to Adam. Paul is going to take salvation and he's going to connect it to Abraham. He's going to take salvation and he's going to connect it to Esau and Jacob. You see, for, for Paul, salvation, the, the New Testament, is, is intricately linked with the Old Testament and the promises that are made there. You see, Christianity is not a new religion. It's the fulfillment of an old religion. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. It is one story. It's not two separate stories. You see, what he was preparing in the Old Testament, he fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it himself in Matthew 5, 17. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets or to do away with them. No, he said, I haven't come to do that. I've come to fulfill them. That was all about me. So, so we'll see that in the book of Romans, that the gospel of God is about the Old Testament. The second thing that Paul brings out is the gospel of God is, of course, about Jesus Christ. Verse 3, the gospel of God concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the gospel of God is about how God fulfills those Old Testament promises through His Son, Jesus Christ. And of course, how God validated His identity by raising Him from the dead. John 5, 39, Jesus said this, You study the Scriptures, and He's talking about the Old Testament, because they didn't have the New Testament when Jesus was here. He says, You study the Scriptures diligently, because you think that in Him you have eternal life. Those are the very scriptures that are pointing to me. It's all about Jesus Christ. The third thing the gospel of God is about is obedience. Look at verse 5. The gospel of God is about Jesus Christ through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I tell you to do? In the end, we see this throughout the New Testament, that it's obedience to the faith. He didn't save us to leave us in our sins. He saved us to remove that contamination and make us into a new person. The gospel of God, number four, is about his glory. Look at verse five again. Paul says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. For what purpose? For the sake of his name. You see, everything is being done so that God gets the glory. Everything is being done so that God gets the glory. See, Paul's goal is that the glory of God be known and valued above everything else in this world. And by the way, I said it earlier, we're going to see some things that are antithetical to human pride because it's not about you, it's about him. And Paul is going to reiterate that over and over in Romans. Number five, the gospel of God, thank God, is about you and me. 
Look at verses 6 and 7. He says, This includes you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to note something very carefully here again. You remember when Paul describes himself, it wasn't about what he had done, but what about what had been done to him? When Paul describes what it means to be a Christian, he does the exact same thing. He doesn't put any emphasis on what we do. The emphasis is on what is done to us and for us by God. He says, see, he says, you who are called by God to belong to Jesus Christ. You are loved by God. You are called by God to be saints. In fact, those two words, loved and called, are so incredible, so incredible, that they, we literally have to stop next week and give them uh, their own lesson, and we'll deal with that then. But for now, I want you to remember these five things. The gospel of God is about the Old Testament. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about obedience to the faith. It's about the glory of God, and it's about making it personal. See, the fact is we could study all of this stuff, and, it, and we can be exposed to all these wonderful, profound truths about salvation and Jesus and God. And if we don't apply it, then it's nothing. It, 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 we have to make it personal. All five of those things Paul is going to bring up again and again and again and again throughout the book of Romans. So it is time to meet this God in the book of Romans. Listen, if you know anything about me, I don't believe in chance. don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in fate, and I don't believe in destiny. I believe in the sovereignty of God. That's what I believe in. So you're not here by accident, by chance, or coincidence, or fate. If you're here and you're listening to this lesson right now, you're here ordained by God himself. So it's time now. To, to step into this book and see things and hear things and learn things about this incredible God that maybe we've never heard before. Welcome to the book of Romans. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just pray as we begin this wonderful journey into this book. I pray, God, that uh, you will just bless this time we have together. I pray for myself, God, that uh, the lessons I learned eight years ago will make me a better teacher that will help me better explain uh, some of the things in this book. But even with that, Holy Spirit, I need you to open the ears of the listeners. Give us ears to hear, as Jesus said. Give us, give us a mind to understand. Give us a heart to obey. Holy Spirit, only you can do those things. And I will give you the praise and I will give you the glory every step of the way as we climb this mountain. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Lori White again. 